Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. Right before we do that, I want us to give a shout out to Tracy with an E. Hey, Tracy. From NC. I wonder if that means North Carolina. I'm guessing so. Yeah, that's NC. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, if so, Tracy, for a time, I was your neighbor. I was in the Asheville area for a couple months about two years ago. So that's my only... North Carolina. Shout out to the NC. <laughs> yeah. And Tracy with the E, thank you. We definitely appreciate everything. Yes, we do. <laughs> okay, so we are at, we're at 310. And so before we watch tonight, uh, Ken said, okay, what can I expect from this episode? And y'all know I'm always either lying or withholding information mm-hmm. or whatever to keep from spoiling it for him. And um, so when he said, what can I expect? I said, well, after 307, 308, and 309, in some ways, 310 is like a, it gives you a moment to kind of slow down and pause because, well, let's just be honest. We've been waiting on that reunion scene. I know. And that's what I said. All I'm waiting for. I said, as long as I get my Brian yeah, and Justin. Yeah, he was like, as long as Brian and Justin are together, it's a, I'm okay. But then, but I did tell him, but there, there are some heavy things in this episode. And um, definitely so. So we've had a lot to celebrate in the last couple of episodes. I mean, some some turmoil and some drama too, but a lot to celebrate. And so interesting to kind of go through some of these weird emotions mm-hmm. that come out with this episode but we are gonna do our best yeah i'm ready <laughs> so, you ready yeah, i'm ready let's get into it let's go so we start out with brian and justin and they are out for a stroll looking for a, a change of scenery according to justin the back room gets a little routine after a while so they're trying to find a, a new location for some um intense moments of Physical fellowship, <laughs> we, we shall call it. And uh, first they try the Liberty Baths, and the place is closed. The next they try the Gravel Pit, and then the Adonis, and uh, both of those are closed. One has a sign that says, come again. <laughs> they would both like to, but they're not having any luck finding a place to, I know. to do that. Well, I mean, I think that right there was the first time as an eye opener, Brian, like, hey, this man is really, really doing something. We've been talking about it. You know, you still been supporting him. But now he couldn't, he's shutting down your spots. Yeah, and I feel like he tries to feign some innocence here. Like he doesn't know, maybe he didn't know they were closed down. He tries to act like he doesn't know why. It's like, nah, you know exactly why. Exactly, (laughs) you know why. Because Justin asks, when did that happen? Because, you know, Justin hadn't really been in this scene for a little while. And he asks him, when did that happen? And Brian's like, well, heck if I know. Yeah. I mean, Brian is definitely out of the loop with it like that. But I mean. From the cop angle, he definitely is. Uh Uh-huh. But he's so caught up in reaching the next level of success. I mean, like, he's pushing any limit. He's pushing the envelope. I don't think he's always looking at the, the consequences or the fallout of the things that he's helping mm-hmm. Stockwell do. Because he is just trying to focus on his own personal end goal. His right. Personal end game. Yeah. I mean, well, that's, this this whole little, you know, shutdown is definitely an eye-opener <laughs> for him now, though. He can see. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of them for sure. So a cop comes up asking what they're up to, and Brian's honesty just kills me. <laughs> Girl, I damn near died. I almost, I was like, this, okay, he's asking to be arrested and beaten. Okay, like, yeah. Lord have mercy. Yeah. What is it? Oh, just looking for a place to fuck. I was like, yeah. what? Oh, I, oh, wow. I clutched okay. my pearls, yes. girl. Yeah. I was like, this man is insane, but I, I'm, I'm here and for he it. Ask the guy that's got any recommendations. I'm, here for it, okay? Yeah. I walk and I be Brian Kenny. Like, Brian damn. Kenny is the most. Oh, yeah. I love him. Uh, and they're so cute standing there together on that on that little ledge. Um, as they got all this sass between the two of them, <laughs> but they've got an arm around each other. 
Well, the cop wants to know how old Justin is, and I can't say that I blame him because our little baby face sunshine does look no, questionable. Seriously. <laughs> um, but I didn't like the whole interaction with the cop. I mean, at first, yeah. I thought it was going to be something good because not just because he's in, the, in that area patrolling and they are doing a shutdown doesn't mean that all police officers, right. you know, there believe in that. Ones, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like there are some bad ones. Exactly. There's there some bad ones, ones and there's some good ones. And you never know what type of family he comes from. Maybe his dad, he could come from one of those special families, you know. Or maybe his sister may be lesbian or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I was thinking, okay, this is going to be a good interaction. But what turns out to be, I mean, he was shitty to Justin. And they did, I mean, yes, they made jokes, which is the truth. What are you doing there? You know, where where did you find me at? Right. You see that I'm at, yeah. You you see where the hell I am. You know why they shut this place down. Clearly, I'm trying to get in here to do that thing. Exactly. So, So, I mean, yes, they, they gave him some little, you know, sarcasm, whatever the case. But the cop was just a straight ass. Yeah. He asked for Justin's ID and uh, Justin, you know, proving that he can match Brian says, what were you hoping for something younger? And uh, Brian says, he's just a little rambunctious officer. You know how they, they are at this age. <laughs> <laughs> Justin has to get a little slap for that. Well, after seeing that Justin wasn't lying about his age, officer terrible throws yes. his wallet at his chest and tells him, well, party's over, boys. The rebel in me would have been like, um, sir, you don't need to pick that up. I know. <laughs> I'm <laughs> not bending for shit. On your way to politely putting it back in my hand, you dropped yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, butterfingers, it's, it happens to everybody. I'm yeah. Not, I'm, I'm going to need know, you to get that. When cops do stuff like that, I want to say, you know, there's real crime going on somewhere. Why don't you go find that? That part. Like, leave me alone. Seriously, though. I was just like, prick, made me upset. Yeah, but I do, like, I mean, they had to, in a way, you've got to take it, but they didn't just take it. Right, no. <laughs> you know, they made it pretty clear they were upset mm-hmm. and displeased with what was happening. Yeah, well, anyway, it has become a bona fide police state here in beautiful Loss of Liberty Avenue, according to Justin. <laughs> and he says something has to be done, and Brian's response is, yeah, me. That part. <laughs> okay, and Brian was not giving up. He went to three different spots and they were like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, something needs to be done. Me. Yeah. I still want, I'm not discouraged. <laughs> That's right. Eyes ready. Still determined. Yes. Okay. Well, they find a spot beside a row of Stockwell for Mayor posters and uh, they've, you know, found a place to uh, come again. <laughs> Seriously. What I love about this scene is these guys, they don't care. Yeah. As in, Justin is doing his thing, okay? And like, you know, lip service and doing it. But Brian is supposed to be the lookout. He is a terrible lookout. Terrible lookout. <laughs> Eyes closed. Eyes head closed. Back. Head back. Boy, the cops was just walking up on me. I hear it. Sir- I heard sirens in the background. Yeah. Like I, I think I'd be too um, terrified you know, to be on the street. But I think to the two of them, they're not doing anything wrong. Now, true, they're in public, but they're not doing anything wrong. They're two consenting adults. Yeah. Sober minded. Mm-hmm. They've chosen to do this together. They're in a relationship together. In their mind, they're not doing anything wrong. So it's like I don't have to. Why should I be worried or be ashamed? Because I'm not doing anything wrong. True. Aside from the whole public. Yeah, part. exactly. <laughs> but I love the stock I was watching, though. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I love that Justin spits right in his face. <laughs> yeah, he did. He deserved all of that. And, you know, I got that little Stockwell fetish thing, but he deserved all of that. He did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a little something for the boys at the precinct is what Justin says. <laughs> Brian just loves his little blonde-haired rebel. Like, he's so amused um, and tickled by Justin there but oh yeah so you know we talked about your I had asked you about your Stockwell thing in the last episode and we had some people respond and there are some people who agree with you oh look what they say <laughs> yeah they were like you know I, I, I kind of feel the same way yeah, yeah I kind of want to see where that where that I just want to see you know Brian because you know Brian can do that I want to see yeah, I, so I just want to see you're not alone <laughs> thank you guys I love y'all there might be only like five of y'all well but... you know what the five of us you know what I'm saying we just call ourselves unique okay yeah. I like that 
so then we see Brian meeting up with the gang at the gym the next morning. They tell him that they missed him at Babylon last night. And he says it was such a lovely evening. He and Justin went out for a stroll. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently Babylon was popping because there's no place else to go. As we saw, everything is shut down. Yep. And, you know, Ben has been waiting all morning to throw that jab at Brian's like, yep. oh, Stockwell shut it down. There's nowhere else to go. Yep. <laughs> like, and he was ready. Yeah, that was his motivating factor why he was on that bench press. You know, it was. <laughs> Emmett says, well, Brian empowered Stockwell to do it. Now, I still hold that Stockwell would do what Stockwell wanted to do, but I think seeing his numbers rise in the polls and having more supporters line up behind him. Having all that campaign success is making him feel empowered. Yeah, and I, I kind of see what Emmett's saying, and I get what you're saying, too. Because Stockwell was doing Stockwell. He was just doing it terrible. He needed someone great to show him how to how it's done. Yeah. And Brian was the one who was great. It's just sad that, you know, Brian, I just so wish Brian could just tell him, hey, all those places you're closing up, those are my spots. Yeah, okay. or just be like, hey, dude, yeah, there might be some illegal activity that goes on in these places. But for the most part, it's just people coming in, doing their thing, and then going home. Yeah, bro, we just want to have fun. I yeah. mean, come on now. You know, so even though Brian didn't pull the trigger or load the gun, he kind of turned on the light so Jim could, could find the, the gun, gun and mm-hmm. the ammunition. Well, he put the, the gun safe key, you know what I'm saying, the key to the gun safe <laughs> you know, on the table. He the combination yeah, and you know was like, do what you will with the combination yeah, to there, the gun there safe. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because his campaign likely would have fizzled out by now were it not for Brian's expertise. No, it would have been gone. <laughs> and so without an initiative to push, then maybe Stockwell wouldn't be coming so hard at the community. Right. So Emmett is kind of yeah, right. Yeah. Half and half. Cap- half and yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back to the scene. Brian deflects all of this and he says, well, the gravel pit is a skank hole where he picks <laughs> up a case of crabs. He says the bass <laughs> are full of trolls and the Adonis is not passing a health inspection anytime soon. Because they got cum all over them. <laughs> <laughs> they Brian haven't cleaned up from for, since the day they opened. That part, okay. <laughs> that like, is so disgusting. Do not go barefoot, okay. <laughs> Yeah, and burn any shoes that you wear in there. That part. I mean, <laughs> athlete's foot is the worst. Is the least of your worries. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny how often they talk about their STDs with each other. Is that what friends do? Yeah. Really? Oh, I think I would be pretty tight-lipped about an STD. <laughs> well, I mean, they're super tight. You know, I mean, yeah, I think you, I think you would. I mean, me personally, I ain't never had one, so yeah, I mean, it's same. not like I'm discussing it. Same here. But I've been in that conversation where, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I well, and people. I guess when you're around just a lot of sexually active people, like it's gonna happen, right? You know. Uh, and so it doesn't have to be this shameful thing. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's not even about just friends. Um, true story. I I know this person and he was like, oh my God, I just have to go to the doctor. I had this bad rash. And then he was like, you know what? I got to thinking like, I recognize that rash. I'm like, what is it? You know what I'm saying? He was like, oh, I I remember I had syphilis before. So I I just knew, um, he said, so I just told him, just give me a little shot. Got a little shot in the butt and I was good to go. (laughs) Just like it was nothing. Yeah. Like, (laughs) Okay, yeah, I just had a little sun rash. I think the, like, fourth and fifth grade sex health classes have scarred me because... (laughs) For (laughs) real. I I feel like any STD is just, like, the plague. I don't know. Yeah, no, seriously. You're like a leper is how... I know. They scared me so in in those classes. Okay, well, I also find it funny that Brian tried to get into all of those places last night. <laughs> all the ones that he was like, oh, all of them. this one's a skank hole, this was dirty, whatever. He tried to go to, to all every of them last one. night. And I think it's like we said earlier, it's starting to squeeze in on him. Mm-hmm. Because this isn't Stockwell going after someone else's business or shutting down Woody's for just one night. These are places Brian visits with some degree of regularity. Mm-hmm. And now he's not going to admit that to them also because he doesn't want to face that. But Ben and Emmett aren't going to be that easily muzzled. And they say it's about their freedom to do what they want, where they want. And that's being taken away from them. 
And that's what matters. And uh, that's something that Emmett thought would have personal significance to Brian. Can we can we back up for just a second? Yeah, back up. I just want to briefly mention that Brian and Justin would have had to talk about where they were going to hook up that night. And they collectively decided to pass on Babylon. Now, I'm not sure if the plan was to trick separately or it was just going to be the two of them with an audience. Right. Uh, but they are making even these kinds of decisions together now. Uh-huh. And even though we didn't see it on screen, I highly doubt that it was Brian storming in after work and saying, I'm going here and Justin just following along after. Like, no, um, because this was a conversation. It was because the conversation leading up, he was like, oh my God, it's so fun. I can't believe we're going to have sex somewhere other than the back room or yeah, something like that. Yeah, he's like, see, I told you we were going to do this. And so anyway, they're like talking about this. Where should we go to get it on tonight? Look at this mature communication. I know. Look my at babies it. are growing. Tear. <laughs> Yeah. No, for real. And I, I love that they're actually working as a team. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, they have that. They For me, I feel like they always had somewhat of good communication, you know, or, or they just a, a good knowing of each other. Yeah. Um, they had a great, capa- yeah, a, good, a great understanding of each yeah. other and a great capacity to be this like really strong unit, mm-hmm. but just didn't always link up. Yeah. But the separation, it kind of brought them together yeah. way stronger um, in that aspect. Yeah. Now. Because they definitely, they seem more equal in this uh-huh. relationship. Their understanding of it, how they contribute to it, yeah. way more equal. I don't think that um, Brian views him as a little boy anymore. You right. Know? And, not, and never, never as a child, but right. just, he never, I think he didn't, there were some parts of it, he just felt like this was just kind of like flight of fancy for Justin. This yeah. is going to be something that passes. And so I think even if he thought Justin's feelings might be real, he didn't think that they had. Or they were going to last. Because, you know, 18-year-olds, I mean, you love the you love red one day, the next day, you know what I'm saying? You're <laughs> right, in love with blue. Right. So, I mean, like, he was thinking, okay, this is going to be fun and games. I'm going to ride this ride until the tickets are out. Mm-hmm. And But the tickets kept reloading. Right. You know, so. I mean, he got the membership bracelet. Yeah, if a re- girl season passed, okay. <laughs> yeah, True. yeah. Uh, well, so Michael was suspiciously quiet during all of this scene at the gym. But he says the only thing of personal significance to Brian is signing up Stockwell's backers and moving to New York. So Michael still seems a little salty about about that. He's only salty about the move to New York. Yeah. I mean, he knows Brian's going to do what he needs to do for work. So I think Michael's really the only one who's going to defend Brian in this matter. But the fact that you're doing this and then you're going to leave us behind? Yeah. You know, like that's an issue for me. Uh, Well, before anyone can give an opinion on what Michael says in Brian's involvement with this, there's a kerfuffle at the front desk involving a familiar voice. Well, Emmett goes over to see what's happening, and Ted can't get in because he ain't got no funds in his bank account. Claude, have mercy. Yeah. The accountant is broke. Yeah, <laughs> and Ted's yelling at this poor employee like it's their fault he's broke. But the guy isn't really bothered. He says, you, sh- you should see the carnage when yoga sells out. And let me tell you, you don't get between people in their yoga. Mm-mm. All that Zen stuff is a farce if they can't get their sunrise <laughs> salutation in. For real, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, Emmett goes back to the group, and I feel like you can just see on Emmett where this is getting really exhausting yeah. and really heavy, and not he's not going to abandon Ted. No, but he's getting worn out. It's, yeah, it's just everything is so negative, and that's got to be hard. True. And now, like, I mean, the smallest sort of thing is just going to set him off. You can't pull him out of that. You can't get him out of that hole. Nothing makes yeah. him happy. There's a void somewhere. He just... he and I, is, is it work? Is it that he doesn't have a job? Or, I mean, like... I mean, what is it? Like, yeah, because he was never fully satisfied in life. As an accountant. As an accountant. And then now he was really enjoying things when he had his career, but he was still lacking in some, like he wanted a relationship or he wants, it's like Ted doesn't really do contentment or no contentment or he hasn't experienced right. it really. And so even when things were going well with his 
career, he wasn't... Well, I guess then he got with Emmett, and so then that was... Then he kind of had best of both or well, all worlds. I feel but... bad, because that was very brief. <laughs> yeah. He got with Emmett, and they snatched the damn career. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm like, oh, my so, God. Uh, anywho, um, yeah, but I think also Emmett is hurting because Ted is hurting. Mm-hmm. And he just can't seem to catch a break. So I think it's exhausting for him to have to deal with Ted's negativity all the time. But also it's exhausting to see him not be able to catch a break. And I'm pretty sure he he probably feels bad himself because he's shining right now. Right. You know, like he's right. shining. So he don't want to be overly excited or, or really, you know, letting his light shine bright because he knows that he's in a hole. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like it, it puts him like in an awkward, yeah. awkward position. Yeah, he's in a tough spot. Well, Ben suggests, you know, maybe a vacation, an opportunity to step away from it all. And maybe that's not a bad idea. Not Sometimes at all. Sometimes I just need a break from reality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. new scenery. Uh-huh. Uh, Brian recommends an industrial strength volume. And I think we should put that idea at the bottom of the list. We know, Ted. Coming off the last few episodes. Yeah. Ted, like, mm-hmm. Let's put the heavy medicine at the bottom yeah. of the option list. Any drug in Ted. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't do hell with that. No. Well, then we see Melanie, Lindsay, and Michael, and they're at an appointment checking on things with the baby. And Michael is a little overwhelmed by all of this. He is, uh, he's nervous and he's worried and he isn't really sure what he should or shouldn't be worried about. (laughs) And then Lindsay's not really helping. She's talking about Melanie's endometriosis and her work schedule. And the doctor brings up Melanie's pain that she's experiencing, which I believe in some cases, pain and discomfort can be a normal thing. Um, but anyway, if I'm Melanie, I would make both of them wait in the hall. <laughs> True. I mean, that had to be stressful for her. But I'm with Michael. Like, Michael's asking these questions and no one's paying attention. Yeah. You know, like, he wants to know what's going on. He's nervous, too. Yeah, well, and they're coming at it from a different... Well, Melanie, because it's her body and she knows how she feels and she's probably done her own research. And then Lindsay's been there before and mm-hmm. she's done her own research, I'm sure. And, and the doctor so sees it every they, day. Yeah, the doctor sees it every day. So they all have a different understanding of this. But Michael is in the dark, but he's this weird, like... He's this add-on yeah. in this situation, and he's not part of their day-to-day conversations and, mm-hmm. and the day-to-day progress with how the baby's doing. And so, yeah, I guess in a way he is left out, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, and also I think the way he was going about asking was a little whiny. Yeah. A little, little, little childlike. Like, Michael, afterwards, do you have a pamphlet on some of that? Yeah, <laughs> you, for real. Is there a book you suggest I or, read? Is there a class for fathers? Self-educate yes. people. <laughs> I would say Google, but I don't think it was popping back then. I know. Then. Yeah, I don't know that it was quite popping like that. But they were still asking Jeeves, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but there are other ways, and probably better ways. Don't be harassing Melanie. For, if you if you already think she's stressing out, yeah. don't harass her for the information. Like, go self-educate, dude. <laughs> Been smart? Go ask him. For real. Pick up a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I also feel like Sneaky Lindsay is purposefully trying to keep Michael all riled up so she'll have an ally and trying to get Mel to take it easy. Seriously, Plus, though. she's telling the doctor all this negative stuff. Well, she's working really hard and she had endometriosis and you know this. <laughs> exactly. I mean, but that's how you got to play it because Mel is hard-headed. I she mean, is hard-headed and she is so determined to do it all. And none of us can do it all, honey. <laughs> none. Come on now. You're supposed to rest up. I mean, you're carrying a, a child. Yeah. I mean, your I body under- is going to be weak. Yeah, I understand you are strong and tough, but that doesn't mean that you have to be super perfect. Woman. And yeah, superwoman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, at the diner, Michael is telling Ben and Brian about the disconcerting doctor's appointment. And Ben says, well, there's nothing you can do because Mel is the one carrying the baby. I feel like in this situation... Ben is kind of a little bit more level-headed about some things because he's like, Michael, you can sit over here and stress and worry, but what can you do aside from stress and worry? That part. No, it's the truth. (laughs) Yeah. 
And Michael says, well, it's our baby, he clarifies. And he better watch that around around Melanie. I know. I mean, yeah, Lindsay and Melanie. I mean, yeah. you're going to get cut, boy. Ben wants to know if he saw the baby. And Brian asks if it has Michael's cute little turned up nose, his button eyes, and his perfectly shaped genitalia. And, uh, Michael melts faster than my chapstick when I'm really? in my purse. No, for real. <laughs> but then he had to recover that shit because you're sitting yeah. next to your man. I know. And Ben's like, hey... <laughs> And Brian, he knows what he's doing because he was looking right at Ben when he said that. And he is such an instigator, Brian. Well, Brian, let him know. Say, bro, I'm letting you. I'm giving him to you on loan. If I wanted him, okay. I can call, I call cash Yes, I'm in cashing that anytime in. Anytime I want to. Okay. Yeah. Thank me. Yeah. Um. Maybe one of these days Michael won't take Brian's bait so easily. Or maybe that's me just living I in I doubt hope. it. <laughs> doubt it. Ben gets a phone call and he um is asking if someone's all right. We don't know what's going on who's on the other other line uh but we should find out sometime after three o'clock when ben is done teaching i mean what would you have like been like hey what's going on i mean because i mean we could hear the conversation you you stepped two feet away from the table yeah i mean i would kind of i'm nosy i would want to know hey you know everybody in the diner is nosy yeah hey babe what's going on what are you where are you going what's what's up debbie is walking by when she hears someone trying to take her post as the resident worry wart of the family (laughs) And Brian tells her that Melanie is working too hard and Michael is worried for the life of his child. Debbie tells him a story about a beautiful princess who worked until the day she popped out her kid and then went back to work three days later. And Brian says that Diana was an inspiration. And honestly, I'm surprised Debbie doesn't whack him over the head more often. Man, that eye got the twitching. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah. She gave she a little twitching. Like, you got about one more. But of course, the story is about Debbie. And Michael says that's different because Melanie's in her 30s and she had endometriosis and she's working really hard on the, the biggest case of her life. And according to Brian, she's a crazy lesbian. <laughs> and uh, after processing all that information, now Debbie's also worried. Now, we both noted that Debbie is supposed to be 48. Lord have mercy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, I mean, I love you, Debbie, but girl, they could have they they put you well, a couple more Well, she's been working hard. High. I mean, yeah, she's been working for the last 30 years. So, she said she went back to work three days late. She didn't let the stitches heal, no nothing. She went right to work three days later. Yep. In that same diner. Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know. But still, <laughs> still, three days later, though. I mean, oh, Lord, have mercy. Debbie, girl. Mm-mm. So we see Ted uh, clearing out his inbox. And I was going to ask you if you're an inbox zero person, but I saw your inbox the other day and you have like 85,000 unread yeah. messages. I know. I mean, I'm at like 12,000, but that's still way less than you. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, 85,000, that, that's a little number. <laughs> I think it says 137, you know, yeah. but still. That's my personal email. But even at work, I'm never, I never have an empty inbox. Like, I worked in law, and you never get rid of anything. So right. So, everything stays in, in my inbox because you just never know what might be, like, the one little piece of evidence True. or proof that you need. But anyway. This man had three. Yeah, well, he maybe, had like we'll five, five, and yeah. he's getting them down. Yeah, and he's yeah, he's getting hit by the spam demons. They are trolling him hard. One email <laughs> says, "Earn up to one thousand dollars a day with your own internet business." They know Teddy can't operate no internet business. <laughs> Come on now, you're gonna be <laughs> under the jail. <laughs> yeah. Now, side note: these emails are dated February first and February second. Now, I would highly advise against trying to map out a timeline with this show because I don't think there's any way it can be February. Like, just absolutely not. No. <laughs> um, they film in Toronto, so it looks really cold, of course, and the weather in Toronto is always going to make a fool out of them, but I just I just don't see how it can be February. 
I don't know. It, it doesn't matter because, as you know, we keep it cute here at Liberty Diner Dish. Yeah. We, we don't do those kind of critiques. No. <laughs> but it's just mm-hmm. something I, I noticed. Besides, spam emails are ridiculous. Like, they can be dated March 97th. And, <laughs> you know, they will still trick people into thinking their secret great uncle in Xanadu left them a $30 billion inheritance. Because mm-hmm. that's how spam emails work. I feel for that. I knew you did. Yeah, I wasn't I, gonna. T- I wasn't gonna put you out yeah, there. Yeah, but I, 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 I came home like, "Brad, we rich." My God, I had a cousin. I got a cousin in, in overseas, bro. Like an uncle, or somebody. He died. Like he died. And they said, "All I need to send in my social, my everything, bro. My it's bank be, account, and it's gonna be deposited into my, my coin." Friend. You know what I'm saying? I really thought it was. Th- did you actually send it? No, I didn't send it. But you know, on the I really, I really thought it was real. To be honest with me, it was Brad. You know what I'm saying? It was Brad, and he had me convinced. That shit was so real, <laughs> and then you know, I just took, I take everything to Google, and I just put in uh, Uncle Uncle Dial left some money scam, and it came right on up. And I, yeah. said, I told you, but I was I was heartbroken. I really thought you we were, were really thought yeah. I thought I was like, baby, we we made it, baby, <laughs> we made it. Cause you know his last name is very rare, so I was like, right. I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh, like it can't, bro. This is it's got to be real, cause it ain't no none of him, yeah. you know. And Lord have mercy. Oh, bless you. So the point is, Ted is going through his emails with some sarcastic and pessimistic commentary, and he gets a pop-up, and he says he's receiving this email because he's one of Pittsburgh's hottest sex pigs. I've never heard that phrase. Never. Should we Google it? We should. I don't want to Google it. I'm you know scared what, of what... I, I don't even know what, pig, what piggy does. I, okay. Yeah, in his other email about the girls and the farm animals. Yeah. I, no, I don't... No, what, we're not going to Google it. What is in? What is he searching anyway? I think you get those emails from what, what you kind of look at. <laughs> yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. A roundabout. So, um, what are you watching? Yeah. Well, they're inviting him to a sex party at the Paradise Motel. Um, the name is misleading because he says there's nothing to symbolize paradise about this place. No. Well, Emmett tells him, Emmett comes in and he tells him that they're all set for their reservation at the Maple Leaf Inn. Everything's confirmed. So they are going to do this vacation, the two of them together. Uh, Well, Ted doesn't want to be treated like a charity case, even though he recognizes that he is one. Um, (laughs) Emmett reminds him of of the times when Ted was there for him, even when he couldn't pay his telephone bill. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Something as simple as that. And, And that is true. And I think it's also why you should never gloat when you are the partner or the friend who's at who's up at the moment because you never know when those when you're gonna be down. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think also Ted being the kind of friend that he was in their past makes it easier for Emmett to be this kind of partner mm-hmm. now, and so m- that might help Ted feel less guilt or reluctance to let em- Emmett carry him for a time. I hope so because I mean Emmett is really showing him unconditional love. He really is. He has he, you. Know, he hasn't complained to Ted about. About anything that he's doing, he sees that Ted is like, "Dude, you're you're slipping down. You're yeah. going down a, sl- a dangerous slope here." And he hasn't made him feel bad about that. He hasn't made him feel bad about the fact that he can't find a job and that he, because of him, they couldn't get their dream home mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. Yeah, he has been a good partner. Yeah, he's been he's been really good. But you know, Ted has taken a hit to the ego. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. I mean, no one wants the other half taking care of them. You yeah. know, and you being rock bottom, no one wants that at all. So, I mean, I, I understand where he's coming from, but hey, sometimes, you know, 
you have to let things be and let it play out. Mm-hmm. You've been in a negative. You're blocking all of your positive things that's coming your way because all you all you focus on is negative, negative, negative. Exactly. He even says, well, I don't have anything. I have nothing left. And Emmett's like, well, hey, you're forgetting one thing. Like, I'm still here. Yes. <laughs> and even like Oted would have looked up and touched yeah. his hand and looked at him. He didn't even look at him. Like, just, you're right. And I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much. He barely put a hand on him. Mm-hmm. And and it wasn't even convincing. And I felt, I felt so sad for Emmett in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Because he's really trying. I mean, so try. Yeah, and it's, this has been going on for a little while now. I think this is another reason this is hard for Tej, what we've touched on a little bit before, everything is coming up roses for Emmett. And I don't think it's that Ted wants Emmett to be struggling, but I would imagine it's very hard to watch someone else having all this success mm-hmm. and nothing is going right for you. Uh, you couldn't even get the job at the Big Q. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, and then Emmett gets a phone call and... It's clearly some really good news, really promising um, opportunity for him. Turns out he needs to go do this tomorrow at two o'clock. Well, that's when they were supposed to be at this Maple Leaf Inn. And um, Ted has just accepted Emmett's gracious offer for this little getaway. And now it seems that Emmett's going to be changing that plan. And so I don't know if he feels abandoned or if he is like, oh, of course, you know, here's an opportunity for something good and, and something nice happens for Emmett and I'm, I'm going to have to be the one to pay for it, you know, or right. not financially, but you mean like I've got to yeah, yeah. sacrifice or give up something. I don't understand why they can't just go after the meeting. Yeah. You know, like. Just call and try to change your reservation. Yeah, call a reservation. Push you back know. a day. Yeah, exactly. You know, hell, I mean, you're staying in the same state. You're only going a few hours through. Yeah, so, that ain't got nothing to do. <laughs> I, I'm for real. That's it. And at this point, Emmett's running his own business. Yeah, so. and Emmett killing the game. So, I mean, like, literally, just push it back. Meeting from 2 to 4. Y'all get on the road at 4.30, and then you're there, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway. Well, Emmett wants to take the opportunity, but but he does want Ted to go. He thinks it might be good for him to have that time alone. And I'm like, mm, I don't know, maybe. It's do scary, because yeah. the depression that he's in, I wouldn't want him out alone. Yeah, and maybe he's just thinking, like, if he goes by himself, then he doesn't have to worry about apologizing to me or feeling funny because I'm there, and I'm the one handing over the cash for everything. So, I see where... I can see how Emmett might think this could be a good thing for him to go and do this on his own. We see Ben, and he's walking into a hospital room, and there's a kid in the bed there. And we've seen this kid before. It's mm-hmm. the hustler from 308. Yeah. Uh, so the phone call he received earlier was from this hospital, and they were telling him that his nephew was admitted. Uh, so he held on to Ben's number. Were you yeah. surprised by that? No, um, actually, I was, because when I thought about Hunter... I feel like everything Ben was telling him was going in one ear and out the other. Yeah. I feel like he wasn't he wasn't really trusting Ben. Like he thought, oh, this is just another old guy, you know, trying to take advantage of me. Like although he was nice, but he still wants something in return later on. Something's or gonna, his whatever. words are empty. Yeah, words are empty or something. Um, so the fact that he actually kept it and called, I was definitely like blown away. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the kid has a kidney infection, and apparently he passed out on the sidewalk. And after an hour, someone finally bothered to call the ambulance for him. Humanity is not the greatest sometimes. Yeah. Uh, well, he gave them Ben's information because the hospital needed to know the name of his parent or guardian. Well, we know he doesn't have either one of those things. Um, so he gave them the only other adult <laughs> that he knew and thought, well, even if this is a risk, maybe I'm going to try it. Yeah, I'm going to try it. Well, Ben doesn't really want to lie and risk getting either one of them into trouble. And the kid begs him not to tell. He says that he'll get thrown back into the system if the cops come. And Ben says, well, I'm sure there are some nice homes out there. Maybe not all the foster homes are terrible. And the kid says, they won't want me. They want a cute three-year-old. And that's really the truth. It is. 
But also, I mean, Hunter, you have a, a bad attitude, you know, yeah. like, I mean, not to like put you down. I know you've been through a lot. So but you do you have built, a, big, a but, lot of attitude. Yeah, you have yeah. a lot. And I know you're a teenager and everything, but anyone is trying to help you. You're giving pushback. Yeah. You know, like it comes to a point where like there, I can't help you. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm exhausted. I've tried. I don't know how to help you, but I see where he's coming from. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's been through home to home to home. He probably probably was abused physically or and yeah, you know what I'm saying neglected, sexually and yeah. neglected and things like that. So I mean, he built up this wall and this facade of who he is, you know. Yeah. So I mean, because he's the only person he has in the world, mm-hmm. and so I understand why he's so tough. But again, you're so tough; it makes it hard for anybody to want to help you, deal love with you. you, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when I volunteered with CPS Child Protective Services, if kids came into care, they were still in care at like a certain age, like let's say 14 or 15. You don't even talk to them about adoption anymore. You start preparing them for independent living. Right. Because the assumption is that they're never going to be adopted and they will never have a home that they don't provide for themselves, which is so sad. I mean, you're talking to a 15 year old and you're like, I don't know. It's just, it was just a very weird thing where you're trying to equip them for adulthood and and you're forfeiting their childhood at the same time. Oh, that's so terrible. Yeah. yeah, Um, Big up to those um, people who um, do that line of work. Mm -hmm. I I couldn't do it. I'm, I'm too sensitive of a person like i want to help everyone and give everyone i will be the one who get fired because i'm like y'all come stay with me yeah you know so (laughs) like no like oh my god yeah i did meet this really cool family and they would only adopt teenagers Mm -hmm. because and their thing was they wanted to to give them a place that they could come back to on the holidays because that's something you don't think about kids who have gone through foster care and who are just like in a group home or whatever they don't really have a a family sometimes Mm -hmm. to return to for thanksgiving and or christmas or hanukkah or whatever holidays people celebrate and so they were like we want to give them that where they know this they can always come back to this place this will always be home they always have a family here and i thought that was really cool yeah that's amazing they only took in took in teenagers yeah i never even thought about that yeah Yeah, that's that's awesome but the teenagers can be not all of them but some of them can be tough like you get a lot of hunters right when they're yeah and we know why the system made them that way but yeah well ben says there must be some other solution and we find out this kid's name, this is when we find out his name is Hunter. And so I, I, they never told us the name, but I guess when he stayed the night at Michael and Ben's house, they found out his name. And so we're just finding out that his name is Hunter. And they probably didn't tell us that before because they didn't want us to know we were going to see him again mm-hmm. in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Hunter says, why did you give me your number if you weren't going to actually help me when I needed it? Was it just to make yourself, make you feel better about like, oh, I did this great thing. I'm such a good good citizen good see there we go again that's like i'm like i'm walking out this door bro mm-hmm. you don't deserve me oh a nurse comes in needing some signatures from hunter's uncle and ben's got a choice to make with all this attitude going on from the bed in the background yeah, for real uh then over at babylon the whoever is the like event coordinator or whoever's in charge of the theme Call at babylon, me. yeah and they are always trolling because yeah. it's a like police state theme here yeah <laughs> it is and uh, get some love and is blasting all over the dance floor. And our lovely cast is featured in the music video for that song. Oh, that's dope. Really? Yeah. Yeah. We'll watch it after this. Yeah. So we see all this, these uh, scantily clad officers with their sticks and all that stuff. Oh, I love that. They're what? They're handcuffs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll try it. They're billy clubs. Yeah. Right uh, I'll take that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Leave me alone. Uh, so Brian and Justin are dancing very close and have a having a very good time together. And I don't know. I feel like there seems to be like a calm or something over the two of them, or just in their postures when they're around each other. Like, like there's some certainty or 
something that looks very like lived in and comfortable. Do you? Do you yeah, that? it's definitely lived in. It's definitely comfortable, and it goes back to again that split. Like, I to be honest, I didn't think they were gonna come back because I didn't think Brown was gonna accept him to come back. Although he mm-hmm. was hurt, we knew he was hurt, and we knew he wanted Justin. I don't think his ego and pride was gonna let him come back. So the fact that they came back, I mean, now it's like it's meant to be. Yeah. So now you're comfortable. Like he knows. This is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. You know, like, this This is us, you know, and we're going to do us. We have this understanding. We know each other. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure they can read each other's thoughts, mm-hmm. okay, like, for real. Uh, so, yeah, you can just see how it, it goes back to they have such great fucking chemistry. They do. So, yeah. I mean, like, it's just amazing. Yeah. So, we talk a lot about how comfortable these two actors are together mm-hmm. physically, you know, and I think that translates so well. <laughs> no, but I get what you're saying. Like, they're very comfortable. I wonder if they had to do any exercises because when I'm on set and uh, if the director want me to be really comfortable um, with my partner, we have to literally stand there. We have to stare each other in the eyes and we have to compliment each other. And I mean, you do this about 12, 15 times. By the end of you ready to kiss, hug, do something. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, I mean, like you, you break down those walls. I mean, and you and you just peel them back all your layers. You're looking, I mean, into someone's eyes, you know, having strong eye contact, I mean, can be very intimidating, you yeah. know? So for you, for the fact that you're looking in someone's eyes you know, and you tell them anything, nice hair, nice shoes, nice lips, nice eyes. What it just, it, it kind of opens you up and it, it builds that, that relationship and that bond. I wonder if that's what they had, yeah. not, not that exact exercise, yeah. but if they had to do something else yeah. because it's effortless. Right. And I don't know if it's just like, if they actually had a conversation about it or if it was just this understanding between the two of them and other members of the cast as well, that was just like, okay, we're just going to go all in for this and they're going to trust each other be very comfortable with each other because their very first episode. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Brian is literally licking down his back. So. I, I was just like, what in the world? Like, I know it's acting. I know it's a show, but Gail is straight, you know? And yeah. I mean, a lot of men, for they don't care how much the check is, you know, right. like they were declined, you know? Yeah. So he went for it. And I, and, and I believe him, mm-hmm. you know, like I believe him. So, yeah. I mean, it was like, it's, it was, yeah, it's incredible. Mm-hmm acting because they sell every scene that they're in with each other, you know? And I like that. It don't even have to be the touching. Sometimes it's just a little way that Justin looks. It's almost like yeah. he's really hurt. Like, mm-hmm. I mean... Like, yeah, even when they're disagreeing yeah. with each other, it's like, they're having a true lover's yeah, fight right no, for now. for real. <laughs> the little things, the little... It's all about the small detail, and they embody all of that. I was yeah. just like, damn, they're good. They are, yeah, incredibly Sorry, good. guys, I get a little sidetracked talking about them. I just, oh, I love them. <laughs> So as Brian and Justin are dancing, this guy has like spotted one or both of them from way across the club. Girl, he, he came far. And he shall He did. came far. He did the Soul Train line over there, girl. He came far. He was on a mission, okay? He on the hunt. He was very much on a man on a mission. Yeah. He comes over and he pulls Brian's attention, tries to get him in. But well, Brian is like, oh, hey. But then he pulls Justin back in, uh, kind of like that. Hey, no, it's you, a three of it's, us. It's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah, me plus him. Yeah, we're throuple, baby. <laughs> if we're gonna do anything, yeah, we are a package deal tonight, dear. So they're dancing a little bit more, and Brian pulls out some poppers to share with with Justin, and Justin tells him, "You know, not tonight. I've got, I've got to go. I've got something I got to go do." And Brian says, "Me too." Well, Justin leaves, and Brian looks after him, kind of curious. I don't think it's distrusting i think he knows this is not another ethan situation but i but think he's, that he's wondering yeah he's wondering because um the guy is smoking hot who walks up on them and justin turned it down right you know, like, and, yeah it was just and so it's like okay what is 
Yeah, was, like, I know this thing about drinking yeah. because clearly we were going to do all this together. Yeah. Like, what, um, what are you doing? Like, where yeah, are you going? So it's kind of like a, mm-hmm. he uh, is definitely like, hmm, but I mean, he ain't going to get too, too involved in it tonight. Nuh-uh. Well, the guy tells Brian he's under arrest for possession of illegal drugs. Well, girl, the way he said that, did your heart not drop? <laughs> yeah. Because you never know what the Stockwell you know shit the cops going been on. Lurking. Yeah. So, I mean, Maybe I'm like, everywhere. this whole Stockwell shit got me on edge. Yeah. I'm like, oh, hell no. They done got him. <laughs> got my baby now. And Brian says, well, I have a better idea. Let's go to the back room and play good cop, bad cop. I was like, thank God. <laughs> like, for yeah. real. Like, my heart dropped. Yeah. That's how you talk yourself out of a ticket right there. That part. Don't, don't, except don't do that. Don't do that Mm-mm. with a real officer. <laughs> well, Melanie is uh, going to her car with a bunch of groceries and some mace. And she can just sense that someone is watching her. And she's looking all around. She's frantically trying to get into her purse and find her mace. Well, turns out it's Michael. I would have maced him anyway for rolling up on me like that. For one, even way too close. You could have easily said, hey, Mel, it's me. Yeah. From afar. <laughs> I mean, she turned around. They did a wide shot, too, and I saw no one. <laughs> yeah. I saw no one. Where are you? Are you hiding beside the car? Like, where did you just pop up at? Like, yeah. he would have been here with the mace, the bag. I mean, the everything, okay? <laughs> yeah. The you key. You lesson. <laughs> I mean, for real. It would have been over. Yeah. Well, he is spying on her. You know, she might be wishing she chose Brian as his father now. Because <laughs> <laughs> Brian never just popped up out of somewhere. Yeah. He's he over here lurking He'll see you in nine months at the yeah, hospital. that part. <laughs> You want to work? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> uh, well, Melanie storms into the house to tell Lindsay about Michael stalking her. And Lindsay isn't necessarily taking Melanie's side on this. She's like, well, you're working all day. And you're going grocery shopping at midnight. Which really, Melanie, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, no, for real. Why are you grocery shopping at midnight? Yeah. I mean, you're a whole pregnant out here. Like, right. I mean, come on now. Just not, probably not the best. And I bet she didn't even do the grocery shopping before. I bet that was Lindsay's job. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's trying to do it all right now. So she wants to prove she can do everything. Doing so. the most. Yeah. And also, is that a one-up to Lindsay? Because Lindsay was like, you know, I want to stay at home. I want to raise the baby. She's like, oh, I'm going to raise the baby. And I'm going to work. And I'm going to grocery shop. And I'm a- <laughs> Yeah. Like, why everything got to be a competition with you, girl? Yeah. I like Melanie, but Melanie's got some, Melanie's got some issues. <laughs> uh, well, Michael agrees to stop spying. Well, basically, she tells him he's going to stop. And then he... Lindsay tells him, you you better go along with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so then we're in a dark alley, and we see someone dressed in dark clothing, hanging a poster, and over some Stockwell for Mayor posters there. And turns out it's Justin. And uh, we're like, ooh, what's, this, is, uh, this is interesting. What's going on here? Well, the next morning, Debbie, Emmett, Ted, Brian, and Lindsay all find this poster, or these, some of these posters, and it says, um, hail to the chief mm-hmm. <laughs> with very uh, Hitler-esque yeah. um, art there. Well, Debbie loves it. She likes to see someone else fighting back. And then Lindsay, of course, gives, uh, you know, yeah, her, her, her art teacher, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> her art teacher insight. Justin walks up and he, he looks and sounds a little bit rough. Uh, <laughs> still cute, though. But uh, he's been up all night working on a project, is what he says. Mm-hmm. And Brian says, oh, well, when you're done with him, <laughs> when you're done with him, send him my way. And Justin's like, not that kind of project. That's funny. And so this is what I'm saying. Like, Brian knew that he wasn't leaving to go meet up with some right. guy he's hooking up with. Because there's not even a hint of worry or concern about Justin Mm-mm. doing that again. Because he trusted Justin when he said, I promise. And yep. he, Justin genuinely meant it. Well, anyway, they ask for an artist's opinion on this piece. And Justin says, oh, well, the message is kind of heavy handed and the graphics are a bit crude. And 
Lindsay calls it agitprop art. And so that's some propaganda posters to agitate the masses. And I really like when people rebel in forms of art, be it with music mm-hmm. or books that they write, you know, satires or whatever, or paintings and posters like this. I love that. And I feel, I feel like also that's the best way to reach the masses. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it sparks up good conversation, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I love how he just, he went right into actor mode too. Like he didn't blow his cover. I mean, because he's the one sparking this conversation. They got a lot of people talking. Yeah. So I, I love that, you know, he just went along with it. Yeah. And I love knowing that, the, like, that we know that this is just him and he's not blasting it to everybody right. that this is him because that's not what it's about. It's he's not, not looking for, for him credit. To get yeah. the credit. Mm-mm. He just wants something needs to be done. I have an idea of something that can be done. I'm going to do it. Like, I love to see, we talked about that, that fight in him when it comes out, when it comes back, and how he yep. is all about justice and what's right and calling out what's wrong. And he believes that Stockwell is wrong. And so I really love to see him, to see him doing, doing this. True doing something because we talked about it I think maybe last episode like if he had any thoughts and opinions on what Brian was doing with Stockwell and Justin in some he moves in silence in an interesting way sometimes yeah yeah, he moves in silence but he's always picking up information yeah he's mm -hmm. always on alert he's always listening so Mm -hmm. I mean and he makes up his own mind about things yeah so I do think that he has his own opinions about it but I think he was also trying to figure out okay but what am I going to do about what I I'm not going to just sit here with my own opinions. What am I going to do? Yeah. How actively? do I act on them? Yeah. But in the right move, like right. It's, it's chess, not checkers, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Ted needs to get on the road to head to the Maple Leaf Inn. I hope it's not Maple Leaf Lodge because I keep saying Maple Leaf Inn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go with that. Uh, Emmett sends him off with a kiss and an envelope of some cash. Like Emmett is just great. Yeah. Big ups to you, Emmett. Yeah. Um, well, at Michael and Ben's place, the phone is ringing and Ben doesn't hear it. So Michael answers answers it and it's the hospital and they need to verify Ben's billing address because little Hunter has assigned this bill to, to Ben. Well, this sparks an argument because Michael wants nothing to do with, with this or this kid. He's like, let's stay out of it. We don't need to be involved. Quit going in deeper. Why are you getting the bill for this? Why didn't you tell me you went down there? I mean, to some degree, yes. I mean, I don't think Ben should have kept it, but I i mean, he knew, he probably already knew Michael was going to react like this because mm-hmm. we saw in that episode, we saw how Michael was acting. Mm-hmm. When we saw the boy on the street getting beat up, he didn't want him to come. You know, right. Like, he so, didn't want him to step in and save him. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, I see why Ben hit it, but at the same time, y'all are building a relationship. Yeah. Don't let someone else tear down what you already have because you already know how Michael feels. So I think the best part, he should have been open and honest with him, but I got really irritated with Michael in this scene. Yeah really irritated like he is not compassionate at all um i mean he has this is a young kid i could understand if this is like a 50 year old man or something this is a young kid on the street in pittsburgh it's freezing cold you already know the type of lifestyle in you have not once ever tried to step out and save him mm-hmm. you know like come on michael have a heart i, I don't know I, I just got really irritated yeah with him me too and i'm not necessarily saying that they have to take this kid in but i'm but he could be helping him find a shelter. Yeah, find he could be giving good or advice. Or just have some respect for the fact that your partner is invested in this emotionally. Yeah. Whether or not you think he should be or whatever. Your partner is invested in this. Yeah, we can establish what the boundaries are going to be. But this is important to him. So that should matter to you. Mm-hmm. And and then he's like, do I make myself clear? Like, uh, oh, excuse uh, you? Uh, I'll be looking Who around. Who is the child in here that you're talking to? Because I'm a grown man. Because I'll be looking behind <laughs> the blinds, under the bed. Like, I know I, I know you're not talking yeah, to me. Yeah, there's got to be some other person in here that you're talking to. Because... Yeah, Ali Ali Oxen free. <laughs> Where are you? Reveal yourself. Please. Michael is talking to you. 
He is not talking to me. Yeah, but yeah, he. Yeah, do he I did, make myself? Yeah, clear. he did frustrate me here because it's just the lack of a lack of compassion. Again, I'm not saying he's got to live in your home, but yeah, just where's the compassion, dude? And I do, I do think that that is in a way in character for Michael because Michael likes things the way that he likes them and he likes the order and the structure and the comfort that he knows. Mm -hmm. And this is something that would disrupt that. True. And so um, I do think it's very much in character for Michael to be responding like this. Well, then we see Emmett making a phone call. He's calling Ted to check on him and ask him how the drive is going. And Ted's like, Oh yeah, everything's fine. Tells him he's near the promised land. And, uh, they get off the phone, and it turns out he's actually near the Paradise Hotel. I yeah. guess it just happens to be on the way. And Ted's there trying to make a last-minute decision, and he's hearing that whole sex pig thing going in his <laughs> mind. And I think he's just as curious to find out what a sex pig is as we are. Oink, <laughs> oink, baby. Oink, oink. And so he turns into the Paradise Hotel. So Justin's still doing his internship. They're over at uh, Vanguard, and he is setting up some stuff there in some conference room. And Brian's looking at the paper and he says, oh, there's a new restaurant. Um, he tells him that the food got one star, but the, the server's got four. That part, okay. And he says, I'll, I'd like to try it. And he says, you want to check it out? Now, is that a veiled date invitation? That is I sure think it is. No. I think that's Brian, I don't do dates, asking Justin out. To dinner. To, on a dinner date. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. cute but don't you, you tell can, me brian doesn't do romance that part because he's getting romance i was about to say that like you can see how the relationship has you know it's elevating to the yeah. next level so yeah and justin tells him that he can't tonight and then brian says oh another project like he's upset you know his man is getting too busy for him mm -hmm. <laughs> like i'm invested this time i'm trying to spend some time with you yeah. i don't even go to dinners with people you know <laughs> unless it's gonna give me some coins yeah but i'm inviting you to dinner and you got a project so yeah. Anyway, I just like that that little another little subtle sign of some growth and some differences in their relationship post breakup. Well, Stockwell comes comes in raging. He's seen this. He's seen the posters, of course. There's even one down at the police headquarters, and he is all up in arms about this because it's making him look like a laughing stock. And Brian's like, you know, it's just a prank. It's a joke. And Jim doesn't find it funny. And so when he comes in, Justin's kind of like, oh, whoa, because. They were going to go talk somewhere else, but Jim couldn't wait. And Justin's just kind of like trying to make himself real small and invisible in the back. And but still ear hustle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Still trying to hear a little bit. But then Brian's like, hey, Justin, you can finish that later. And as Justin walks out, Jim just kind of looks at him, doesn't even say hi or anything, just kind of looks at him like, oh, okay. And then Jim wants Brian to, to do something about this. He wants him to refute these posters and... Brian says that he should just laugh at himself. He tells him, just make a joke about it. In his appearances that are coming up, hey, you laugh at yourself before they can laugh at you, basically. Mm -hmm. And he says, tell him that you welcome dissension and that you are promoting a free society where all voices are heard. And so a great spin. The boy is brilliant. Yeah. Okay. That's why he gets the big bucks. I mean, Stockwell should be kissing this man's feet. Yeah. And that's the perfect, that's the perfect spin to mm -hmm. it. Like, hey, use this to your advantage. Whatever they try to use against you. Make it work in your favor. Yep. Is what he tells him to do. Then we see Ted, and he is uh, sitting in his old, in his dingy little hotel room, and he leaves to take the world's dirtiest ice bucket Hell down the hall. No. Nah. Uh uh. Don't put any, don't, don't consume anything that was in that ice bucket. I wouldn't even be touching that bucket. <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, yeah. 
as he's going down the hall to get ice, he sees all kinds of sex pigs in action. Yo, they, they just leave these doors open. I mean, you're in a motel. I mean, I guess you are, I know you're in a motel, so it's not a hotel. Right, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, damn, y'all got the doors wide open. I know. Like, <laughs> just I mean, like no management on site. Facts. Cool, okay. And what hotel is letting y'all assemble swings and shit? Like, <laughs> like they didn't brought some hardware into the cheap hotel. For one, if me and you going to be doing something nasty, we're not going to the Roach Motel, okay? Yeah. You have to take me a little bit somewhere nice. You got to five star me. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, like five star chick. That part, okay. <laughs> but not only are you in the Roach Motel, you then brought the whole hardware to to assemble your swing <laughs> from the ceiling. Yeah. Like y'all doing the most the, with the door wide open. Where with is the, the maintenance staff open. at? Uh, well, when he gets down the hall at a vending machine, there he runs into a guy, and his name is Mark. And he, Mark doesn't have any cash on him because he's wearing nothing but a towel. And so Ted offers to buy him a Coke. Well, that's not the kind of Coke Mark was looking for. Nope. <laughs> and uh, he offers Ted some party favors. He tells Ted that they're all clean because he's an ENT. And Ted's like, oh, you know, no, thank you. I'm just going to get my Coke and go back. Uh, and he invites him to a party in room 37. And Ted says, thank you, but I'm uh, on my way north. And Mark says, well, to come find him if he decides he wants to go south. <laughs> Mark South was trying more ways than one, that part, okay. Mm-hmm. Hells to nah. Although, I mean, Mark was very persuasive, I guess. I mean, he, he was flirting, but not like pushy flirt, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was kind of like, well, maybe they're going to check it probably, out. Yeah, probably I could imagine it kind of tickled a little something. Kind of felt good. Cause yeah, because he, he never been, gets those type of... And yeah. lately, he's been feeling so low. And to have somebody... A stranger. Yeah, like, ooh, hey, come yeah. to this party in my exactly. room. You know, like, you should fun. come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You they get you when you're low. Come. They do. That's when they get you when you're feeling low. When you're <laughs> low and alone. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. You're a hilarious show. Uh, well, Ben goes back to see Hunter to talk about this uh, couple thousand dollar bill that he's going to have to pay. That is a very expensive hospital stay. Hey, boy, he milking. He laid up watching TV. <laughs> yeah, and shit. he wants to judge you. Yeah, like, nah, bro. Okay, the kid, drink some um cranberry juice and get the kidney stone gone, baby. Like, it's time for you to go. Yeah. Because uh, you know they charge him by the day. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, Ben comes in with this uncle lecture and he tells them, hey, this is a chance for a wake up call. Get your life together. Turn things around. And Hunter isn't really taking that seriously because he's like, OK, and do what? Get my life together and do what? Get together with what? Um, and just and still a whole lot of a whole lot of attitude. So while I do feel very bad, badly for Hunter, it's like, dude, but you don't necessarily make it easy to deal with you. That part. <laughs> so Ben is pretty upset with Hunter at this point he's kind of overall his attitude and so he's gonna go and spill all the truth and the tea to the doctor but um when he gets over to the desk to speak to the doctor he says there's something he needs to tell him then we see melanie headed home from work and as she's on her way out she has a little bit of a an uh uh-oh there something's going on Mm -hmm. in the in the stomach baby area and Michael is there. Turns out he did not stop stalking her. Thank God. Yeah. And because she does not look like she's doing well. So he gets her up and they're off to go see about that. But where was he chilling at? She's in her office building. You don't know I when she's coming down. Who's running the store? Yeah, that part. <laughs> Bro, you don't have no employees. <laughs> yeah. Who's... I don't know that you can afford employees right now. Yeah. Who's running the store? I mean, what the hell is going on? You're missing out on all the money. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All the money. Because I know he has to be open in the evenings because I would imagine, maybe not all, but a lot of his customers probably 
I'm kids sure he's open all school. day. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the man is open. And you've been stalking for the last two days. <laughs> so, I mean, 24-7. Yeah. If you knew she was at the grocery store at midnight, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you went, you, you with her all day. You all day. Yeah, yeah. all day. Uh, well, we see Justin working late there at Vanguard. And he's printing off some copies. Well, Brian comes in and says, Hey, Taylor, what are you still doing here? Um, what are you doing alone here? Do you think Brian knew or suspected that Justin was behind that that art? Duh, Brian is hella <laughs> smart. He wasn't gonna say anything. He was gonna he was gonna find out for himself. He would have he would have found out somehow. But yes, I mean I would guarantee his antennas were up. Yeah, I think he definitely thought it was a possibility when mm-hmm. Justin when Justin made the comment when they asked Justin for his opinion on the art, right? And Justin gave his opinion on it. Brian just kind of there's just something where he's kind of like, hmm, I wonder. And if he wasn't 100% sure, I think he did Yeah, and it. him being up all night. And for one, Justin would have been like, he was like a little secretive. Mm-hmm. So I think Brian was like, okay, you were secretive. You left. You turned down this fine piece of ass. And you being <laughs> secretive. You come up with bags under your eyes. I know you're not out there messing around, but you come up with bags under your eyes. And you still didn't tell us what project you've done. This is you. Yeah. It's yeah. you. This is you all over it. Yeah. And he knows how talented he is, too. Yeah, exactly. He knows Justin's smart and Justin's clever. So... It shouldn't be too much of a stretch for him to think, I bet Justin, I bet Justin might have might have done this. Uh well, Brian is uh not too happy. I mean, and Justin's using the work printer to do this. That's and bold. Stockwell is a client. Bold. So yeah, very bold. Brian says, You made your statement once, that's enough. Now it's time to cut it out. And Justin says, I'm not gonna cut it out. I'm doing what I believe in. And then Brian like scoops all his posters up, like, mm, we're done with this. And he says, uh, F what you believe in, I'm telling you to stop. And Brian starts to go and Justin's like, no, you told me once you wanted me to be the best homosexual I could possibly be. Checkmate. Yeah, that includes not giving a crap what anyone else says. Mm. And he says, you told me, and I need to think for myself. And so that's what Justin's doing. Like Stockwell is a homophobe. <laughs> he is infringing on our rights and like all this stuff. And he says, just because you don't think so. And Brian says, well, you don't know what I think. And so... I think just the whole thing is like, okay, it was one thing when they weren't together and he could just do his job, but now Justin's involved in this and Justin's got opinions on this and he knows he can't shut Justin down and he knows no, that he, Justin's right. When, and he also, he knows when Justin got his mind made, Justin is going to do what he needs to do. Right. And so I think it's just all of it is just the pressure is building up in him. And then now it's 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 coming in between his relationship with, with Justin in a way, you know? Where they can have differences of opinions on things, but the truth is they don't have a difference of opinion. They don't. It's just, Justin's not willing to just go along with this. No. And I'm pretty sure Brian is tired of people saying that, you know, I know you don't care or you support him, da da da. So, I mean, that's just burning him up because, no, this is business, y'all. Like, this is is not personal. Okay, but hell, I gotta do what I gotta do because you're not paying on these loft bills. Yeah, well, he (laughs) tells them, I don't give a crap about Stockwell. So, you know, he says, uh, but you're not just messing with him. You're messing with me with my business. Yeah. And then he tells him, well, and now, so get out of here. Because in a way that is true, like you can't do this stuff on company equipment when this is a client of ours. And this is my job. This is the candidate that I am, you know, I'm, this is my client. I'm working yeah. for him. And so I get why Brian is upset, but I don't think, I think it's because of more of the situation unless that he's upset with, um, I kind of feel like he's not, he's lashing out at Justin and he's upset with Justin for what's going on in this moment. And to some extent, I understand why he's upset with him because it is affecting his business. But I also think it's just Brian's having a day of reckoning and that he can't ignore, avoid and ignore anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it's, 
it's all that pressure on him. And so he's starting to, you know, when something gets too much pressure, about yeah, to explode. Yeah, going to crumble. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's, that's, that's kind of what, what he's getting to and what's going on there. Um, well, we see Teddy and he is heading out. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I guess his thing was, okay, I'll just go here and just see how I feel. And then maybe I'll just keep pushing to my destination. I think maybe he was torn. When or he maybe there. that was his change of scenery. No, change of scenery. And he also wanted to be, you always feel a little better when someone else is appreciating you. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, so I think that was it. So yeah, he was like, okay, I have my little fix. You know, like they chose me, but I didn't choose them. It's time for me to go. And so he, yeah. he was heading out. Yeah, and I was thinking like what he what he's thinking in the car when he just pulls the car in there. Oh. Maybe just to like, I'll just go see. Yeah. And I'll see how I feel about this. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes like, let me just go check it out, see how I feel about it. And maybe I'll leave, maybe I'll stay. So maybe that's maybe that's where he was. But he was sitting in the room by himself and nothing was getting any better or yeah. changing for him. And so anyway, he's gonna he's heading out. Um, and as he's heading out, he gets another call from Emmett, who is so sweet and supportive this whole time, keeps checking in with him. And um, he tells him, oh, yeah, the scenery's great. <laughs> Line number one. Yeah. And so they hang up the phone. And as he's going down the hall, he passes room 37. And With the, the door wide open. The door open. is wide open. And Mark is sitting there inviting him in. There's these men all on the bed and everywhere They're doing else. some things. Yeah. And Mark is that offering him, does a line of, I guess, cocaine. And he's offering it to Ted. And he says, um, he says, like, still kind of like, oh, no, thank you. And he says, well, aren't they so beautiful? I'm beautiful. Everyone is beautiful. And don't you want to be beautiful? And I think it's something about that that does it for Ted, that, that want, wanting to be desired. Yeah. This, this will make you desirable. This will make you feel good about yourself. Even before he was even in this depressed state, he always wanted to be desired. You yeah. know, I mean, not like desired. Or I think he always wanted a little piece of what Brian has. He you does. Know? Yeah, he definitely does. That's why yeah. that's part of why in season one, he was so upset with Brian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was jealous of him in a way. And then also there was the whole Michael thing. But yeah. yeah. But my thing is, why do drug addicts always want? I mean, push. He said no. Why are you still pushing? You know, like, I think stop. because it's like. I don't know. It's almost like they have this sixth sense where they can they can tell when a person's like right on the verge of saying right. yes. And like if I keep asking, if I ask you the right way, if I word it just right, I can get you to say yes. Mm. Don't pressure people. I hate it. Yeah, don't pressure people to do things that they're clearly uncomfortable with. Um, so I watched this scene. This is a hard scene. It's a hard scene to watch. Um to see what's going on with Ted, to see him walk into that room, to see him snort this line off of Mark's hand and to see him lay in this bed with all these men because I'm thinking, how could you do this to my Emmett? But I also, know. how could you do this to yourself? To and yourself. Yeah, because that's ultimately who you're hurting the most. Um, one, because you're continuing down this destructive path. Uh, but two, you're doing something that is going to hurt a person that you love and it's going to hurt you to hurt the person that you love. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. When he walked in that room, I, I kept screaming, don't do it. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. And when he walked in that room, I just thought it was all over for me. Like, even if he didn't lay with the guys or do any drugs, I was like, that. that's it. You know, the yeah. fact that you already lied and said you was at a place and, and you weren't. Mm-hmm. And then you go into a room where you clearly, this man, he, he was baiting you uh-huh. from the start. start. As soon as he saw you, he saw yeah. Some loner who was down on himself, down on his luck. Yeah. Yeah. Why else would you be there at the Paradise Motel by yourself? Thank you. So I was like, hell no. Like, you've already cheated to me, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was very disappointed because this this is not Ted. Yeah. Like, I don't know who this person is. Yeah. 
It's like I can follow the breadcrumbs that lead that lead to him making this decision, but that doesn't make it any easier to to swallow. To swallow, yeah. Well, back at the hospital, Melanie is okay and baby's good. Everything's okay. She just has some cramps going on, possibly related to some pickles she was eating. Uh, but they said it's a good thing that she came in. So it turns out it was a good thing that Michael was stalking her, which is the wrong thing to tell him. Yeah, for, <laughs> for real. Yeah. Well, when he is leaving, he runs into Ben. He sees him sitting there in a waiting area. And uh, he tells Ben, oh, yeah, I was here with Melanie. I just happened to be in the neighborhood. And she had an issue. It's like, you Happened to lying. be in the neighborhood. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Because Ben had already told him, stop stressing Melanie out. Mm-hmm. And then he you know he puts it together that Ben must be there for for Hunter. And he's like, "Hey, I thought I told you not to get involved in this. I told you to leave this alone. Why are you here? You should have been and bowed out of this." And he tells him, "You don't understand." Then Ben says that he's positive, and oh. Hunter doesn't know yet. And uh, Ben's going to be the one to tell him instead of the doctor. I mean, I think that's so dope um, that Ben is going to be the one to tell him because then Hunter has someone that, you know, he can sympathize with or can understand because Hunter is already, he's already going through so much. Mm -hmm. So he's not, this, he's not going to take this news well at all. Yeah, you know, not. he's going to need someone like Ben. Someone he knows that actually Ben has been there for him mm -hmm. from day one that he met the man. So mm -hmm. he'll know what Ben telling him this. And then Ben, Ben is going to disclose to him. Mm -hmm. I mean, they'll have something in common. He'll know that there's, there's still life. To yeah, go there's on. there's still hope. Like mm -hmm. here's a person who's living with this and thriving. Um, and Ben can I don't know how much he will share with him, but he can tell him about some of his struggles. Like, hey, it's not all just been cake and ice cream for me. I've had some struggles too here recently. I've had some, but um, I do think it's great that Ben's going to step in and say, instead of you just telling him in this cold, very clinical way. I'm going to tell him. But why is it that it took Ben to say those words right, for, Michael for Michael to turn his attitude around? Mm -hmm. Because that could have been prevented, I feel like. Like, yeah. if he would have had yeah. people in his life beforehand, or if you could, we don't know when he contracted it, you know? Right. He could have got it, you know, three days ago when you were kicking him out of the place and kicking him on the steps type mm -hmm. shit. Like, I mean, you never know when, when he had it. You should have already had the compassion in your heart before he was already positive. Now, now you can feel you right. know, some, some compassion. Mm -hmm. I mean, you should have had that beforehand. Yeah, and like now you can see why Ben cares so much. When he's been caring, Ben's been caring this whole time and you didn't care mm -hmm. that Ben cared for the kid. Uh, but yeah, that was, I'm glad that there was something that caught Michael's attention, at least made him pause. But yeah, I was kind of just so upset with him by this point that mm -hmm. I was almost like, almost a little too late for me, dude. Almost too little too late. Well, then the next morning, we see Ted stumbling into the apartment, and he looks like hot garbage. <laughs> um, he uh, nearly scares Emmett to death, and Emmett comes out and asks if he had a fabulous time. And He's acting like a crackhead. Yeah, he's weird. Like, yeah. he's, yeah, gulping down orange juice and munching on donuts and being real shady in his behavior. I thought he was about to put his whole body in the refrigerator the yeah. way he opened it up. I was like, well, what's this dude doing? Emmett, he's got on sunglasses in the house. Well, Emmett goes and takes them off and Emmett immediately knows that something isn't right. I don't think that he's thinking drug use because he's like, surely not. But I, I don't know. He, Emmett's smart. So Emmett's street yeah. smart. Emmett knows something's going on. I mean, Emmett could think drug use. Emmett, Emmett knows. I mean, he picked up on Blake you know, a mile away or whatever the case. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Emmett looked him dead in his eyes when he took those glasses yeah. off. The pupils tell everything. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... And he's trying to hide his face the way he is. Like, he's very sunken in his posture. 
So he knows, okay, you've done something that you're not proud of. Mm-hmm. And he asks him if he slept well. And he says, well, he couldn't sleep because it was too quiet. And um, it's like, okay, well, let me go get dressed and then we can we can talk about it. But yeah, that's another hard scene to hard scene to watch. Mm-mm. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I, I don't like the deceit. Yeah, mm-mm, mm-mm. I don't like the deceit either. Not, not, on, not, not to Emmett, you know, like mm-hmm. it'd be different if it's just, a little random, but I mean, come on now. It's Emmett. This man gave you a water cash so you could go get your shit together. Right. And this is what you choose to do? Yeah, that's what you come spent on it on. Yeah, yeah, come on, man. So Ben and Michael are in bed, and they are trying to figure out um, what and how Ben's going to tell Hunter about his status. And Michael, again, is suggesting a foster, or maybe for the first time, is suggesting a, a foster home. Or maybe, again, because Ben is like, well, I'm going to tell him, and then he's going to get out, and then what? He's got... Got no place to live. He's got no security. He's got no guaranteed meals coming. Like, he's got nothing. And so I'm, I'm going to tell him this this very hard news. And then I'm just going to send him out into nothing. And so Michael, at least here, is trying to say, okay, well, maybe we can try to set up a foster home for him. We can help with that. Uh, Well, then we see Jim. And he's telling Brian that he's a genius, which is something Brian already knows. Yeah. And he tells Brian that he heard from the GLC. And they are going to support him. He got a letter from, or a note from uh, Tannis. Girl, I almost fell over. <laughs> yeah. Tannis, you need your ass whooped. Yes. Uh, they, they're they so happy that he's going to close down the sexual establishments that have been a blight on their community. Oh, and, and there are three other gay organizations that are going to come out in support of him. And he's like, yeah, take that. They can't call me a homophobe now. It's, it's like, like, I have that one black friend. <laughs> I think when Brian hears about the GLC, and he, he has zero respect for Philip and Tannis. You know how he feels about yeah, him. Yeah, and I mean, like, they might do some good for the community, but they are super wishy-washy, and they have no backbone. They don't give a damn. They gave him 100000 <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They gave him bread to come in and do some stuff. Like, they don't care. They want the money. They, right, that's, that's what they, they want. want money I think they want the fame. money. Yeah, I think they want to be known as the people who made it happen. Yeah. They don't I don't even know that they cuz there are some people who like who are like that. They do charity stuff, but like they just want to have their name the, tied to the charity. Yeah. They don't care about what the charity actually does. Exactly. Just, yeah, so Most people don't even want their contribution to even be known, mm-hmm. you know. But they, they oh my god. Yeah. But those are not the people that Brian would appoint as the pillars or true representatives of the community. I love so, that Brian. Oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. But I love that Brian also never throws anybody under the bus. He could have easily trashed them. He could have said anything he wanted to. Like, hey, you know me. I'm in that community. I know these people. You know, I mean, Brian's been. Around. He's you won their, their damn award. award. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like he could have easily trashed them, but he just keeps it. He keeps himself professional and cool. He doesn't even change his face. No facial expression on it at all. Just keeps pushing. So. Yeah. But I think when he sees that they are behind Stockwell, they're going to support him. He's like, okay, that's the last straw. Like, I am not linking arms with Philip and Tannis nope. behind an actual bigot. <laughs> like, uh, are we going to call Stockwell a bigot? Have we seen enough evidence to call him that? He's a bigot. Yeah, I know. I hate to prematurely label people, but I think we've got enough evidence to say he's a he's a bigot. That's him. Yeah. <laughs> um. But also, and like how hypocritical of Philip and Tannis to promote, like to say that they're promoting equality and gay rights and then back a candidate who was infringing on those things. You know, I think Brian saw that he was no better. And I think he was like, okay, well, yeah. I'm not comfortable with I'm this. I'm not in the same boat with them. Like, yeah, I can't get, I got to get out this boat. Yeah, Once I saw Philip and Tannis getting on board, I got to get out this For boat. For real. Yeah. Man. Even if I can't swim, I'm jumping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got okay. to get up out of here. Yeah. Jim tells Brian in that scene that he has him to thank for it. Like, 
he helped him get his message out. And so that's what we meant earlier. Whereas like, even if Brian isn't, didn't do it, like you help spread this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, you and the fine folks at the GLC understand, basically like, y'all understand my vision. <laughs> no, no, we don't. Yeah. Yeah. Melanie and Lindsay are home, and Debbie was babysitting. I think Debbie's going to make a great grandmother. Oh, yeah. She's going to be awesome. I mean, she's been waiting her whole life for this. You're probably going to want her to watch the baby at her house. Don't have her at your house watching the baby, because she's going to be, why do you got this over here? You can put this over here. Mm-hmm. Do this like this. <laughs> You're going to come home. It's going to be rearranged. Yeah. <laughs> everything. So, but, like, if the baby's at her house, like, that's going to be the best situation. And Melanie comes in, and she realizes that she really should possibly scale back you know and rest and not push herself so hard and Lindsay's uh not really you know she's taking this with a grain of salt because uh in a way heard I this like before yeah i feel like she's almost kind of guilt tripping in that turtleneck she's got on. <laughs> <laughs> but melanie apologizes and says she wants i am gonna stop i promise and Mel- and Lindsay's don't like don't make yeah can't keep. Uh-huh. and she tells her that there's nothing more important than their family so she's willing to give up that landmark case if it is possibly going to cost her her own health and the baby's health so. yeah that's love now I, that's why i respect melanie because i mean yeah she she'll push you sometimes but she always comes back around she she has time to think about it and she always makes the right decision and i rock with that heavy uh well ben goes to the hospital and uh he cannot find hunter turns out he checked himself out around four in the morning and they haven't seen him he gets since. on my nerve. And that's just selfish right there. I just told you I'm, I'm dropping out thousands of dollars for you. And what you do is you run away. Yeah. And don't even say bye to me or thank. I mean, come on now. like. Yeah, I think. Well, they had a tense argument before. Yeah, they had a tense argument. But I mean, still, you you laid up in that bed still. So clearly he didn't do what he needed to do. Right. Yeah. Clearly he didn't go tell him, yeah, that you were lying. But maybe Hunter's thinking it's just a matter of time before they show up. And so he tried to leave before they got there. I don't know. But yeah, it is a little... I guess Ada Ben was a little bit upset, but I think Ben has a lot of sympathy for where this kid is in life. He doesn't take it as, he's not as offended by it as we might be. Mm. Um, back at Babylon, Brian is uh, walking through the crowd, and I think he's just trying to find his next little fix, looking around in there. Justin's not there, and he's like, all right, don't see anybody, don't see anybody. Keeps walking, gets over to the back room, and that area has been closed and locked. Girl, I damn near died, okay? Yeah. Now that, yeah, that, that was the straw. Yeah, that, that was the bro- last straw. Now, that- the, the GLC thing, that was like, okay, okay, yeah. me- okay, you you got like half of one left. Yeah, <laughs> but when you come to my throne, because everybody knows the back room, that's Brian Kenny's throne right there. Yeah. That's his kingdom. But when you come over there and you start, you start messing with my stuff, I mean, it's a, it's a wrap. It's donezo. I mean, did you see his face? Like, I mean, yeah. he just, he couldn't even believe, he stared at the door for a good five, just, I mean, stood there, stunned, yeah. looking. I was like, yeah, baby, that's the last straw. You did this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You did this. Yep. Go and lie in that bed you made, dude. Uh, Well, so Justin is out again, hanging more posters. He's got a whole new design this time. And... As he's doing this, a maybe mugger comes up and grabs him by the arm. Well, Justin turns around to see who his would-be attacker is, and it's Brian. And Brian gives him a big old kiss there in the street. And I, again, this is that they communicate so much in this physical moment without words. Like I think there's like an apology of sorts in what Brian is communicating. There's a, some solidarity. Like, okay, I'm here with you. I see what you're doing. 
I think there's some you were right. There's yep. some I'm proud of you. Yep. And there's some, okay, let's do and this together. And you want to question my belief? Here you go. Right. Okay. I heard you. I heard what you said. And I'm on board now. And, you know, in my mind, like, they would just make this, like, superpower couple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I love the idea of them possibly going to team up on this whole poster campaign or whatever they end up doing. And these posters are so legit, though. Like, the last one, Laughing Stock. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I love that. Such a great play on words. Um, And, and it's still, like, beautifully done. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, like, I, I just love it. And I love that the two of them. And I love it was Justin. Everyone's questioned Brian's loyalty to the community. And then Justin, do, and Justin never did. Right. And now that it, he did it once. And you're there. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, so I love that Justin's the one who can always bring out Brian. You yeah. Know? I do. I love that too. And I love, like, I really see, in some ways, more so than Brian, I really see Justin as a vigilante. Like, to me, he's rage. Yeah. <laughs> because he's out doing this, you know, he's mm-hmm. out being this night crusader doing this stuff. And, um, and then to pull Brian into this, you know, because that's what he does. Like, he pulls out these things in Brian that Brian would hide or would deny or there. Sometimes Brian doesn't even know or are inside of him, and that's what a good a good partner, a good relationship does. That it pulls out those good things in you, and so yeah, I'm just very happy that Brian showed up to to do this. Yeah, with I mean, him, it was a good way to end it too. Yeah, you know them together. It was some good closure on that ep- on the ending of that episode. Um, it, it leaves you on like, damn, I can't wait to see them. What they're gonna do next week? You know, uh-huh. what is he paying? What are they gonna do? Are they gonna get caught? Because we already know if they get caught, it's a felony. Right. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. like, what's going to happen? Like, is Stockwell going to catch you in the act? You know? Like, what what's going on? So, I mean, it kind of just, it, it leaves you on the edge. Like, damn, what's happening? At first, I was going to have us talk about how Justin might have felt because Brian was the one who, so, you know, the posters came up and everybody saw him. It was a big uproar. And then Stockwell, with Brian's advice, goes and spins it and works it in his favor and I was thinking, man, I wonder how that made Justin feel. But the whole purpose of that art is just to be this splash mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's not. But like we said to create conversation. Right, right. And so it didn't. It's okay if, okay, fine. He spun that one. Okay, but well, I'm going to do a different one. I'm going to do this yep. now. So, um, yeah, he was not, he was not uh, dissuaded by by that. So, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, Justin Taylor. Well, you know, we, we, we're here Brian for you. <laughs> we are here for you. Well, that was, that's how it ended. That was, yeah, that was that's a good the rap. episode, guys. Yeah, that was a good old rap. So, guys, what y'all think about this episode? Like we said in the beginning, you know, um, the last two or three been, you know, a little deep and heavy. This one still had its moments, but a little different. What do you guys think? I want I want to hear you guys' thoughts on Ted's behavior. That's what I want to know. Like, yeah. should, should Ted have lied in the first place? Or did he have the right to go to the hotel, get a, you know, a little look in, a little, little see? What, what, is y'all, what, what, what are y'all yeah. saying? I mean, he, yeah, I, I guess now you're making me think about things. Because he does have the right to say, hey, this is what I want to do. This is what's going to make me forget all my troubles and yeah. all my cares. I need to step out of who but, I am for once right? and become this different character. But the character. thing about that is, okay, but you ha- you're in a relationship that has some boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so unless y'all have talked about expanding those boundaries for you to have this little self-discovery thing, then that might be a little bit of an issue. But mm-hmm. hmm. So yeah, I want to hear what y'all thoughts are. And um. Yeah, what else you have, back? That's it. That's all I got. All right, guys. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this. We're dying to hear your comments. Um, like we always say, we want to keep it interactive. You know, we do this for you guys. Thank you guys for always listening. If you want to do any shout-outs, y'all know how to reach us. because We don't mind shouting you out. We, no, we love, love getting it. to know you guys. So, And if you have any personal stories 
Um, we would love to hear those as well. Yeah. You know, I tell a lot of personal stories on this podcast. I know, so, I do too. Um, yeah, so, and, and those are true to my heart, but I, I trust you guys and, and I, I, I want to share those. So if you guys ever want to share something with us, I mean, we would love to. We do not have to discuss it on air at all, but we would love to get to know you. I mean, we actually respond back um, and, you know, on, via email and, you know, our social media accounts. So we would actually love to get to know you guys on a deeper level. Uh, well, guys, this is fun. And like we always say, until next time, we are out of here. Bye. Bye.